You know what sucks more than losing the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas? Nothing. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, as a reminder, we are free. And I want to thank you all for coming along. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done so already, why haven't you? But I'm going to give you a chance to hit that red subscribe button. It will mean a whole heck of a lot. And to those of you who already have, thanks again. All right, so, wow, um, what looked like it was going to be a night of joy and celebration turned out to be a night of what could have been. Um, yeah, if you haven't heard by now, USC lost the Pac-12 Conference Championship game um, badly. 47-24 to 24 was the final score. Uh, you know. And you would never know that uh, the USC actually wasn't in command when you see that final score. Um, at one point, USC was up 17-3. to They scored on their first three offensive possessions. And then things kind of got out of control. But it got out of control before it was 17-3. to uh, However, uh, you didn't think it was going to spiral into the abyss. Um, so USC was up 17 to three. And then before you knew it, USC lost for just the second time all season. And this time there were no reps to blame. There were no missing players on the defense that could uh, have made a difference against a one in a one point loss. This time USC simply got their butts Plain and simple. It happened on both both sides of the line of scrimmage. Um, with that said, um, give credit to Utah. They came, they saw, they took what they wanted. Um, but again, with that said, there was one small, tiny, extenuating circumstance that did contribute to uh, to the game, to the outcome. Um, but again. Let's give credit where credit is due. Utah are your back-to-back Pac-12 conference champions. Um, Because championship teams are able to overcome injuries and depth issues, and that's what Utah did uh, with their running game as well as uh, playing with players who are less than 100%. That's what championship teams do. Again, with that said, for anyone, uh, who doesn't think that uh, Caleb Williams tearing his hamstring on the eighth offensive play of the game for USC uh, didn't play a role in the outcome? Well, I need you to stop listening and watching the show and just go away because you're not being honest with yourself and you're probably not going to uh, have an open mind. I get it. Some of you out there, stuff happens, doesn't matter. But when we're talking about a player who can 
by himself control an outcome of the game, it does make a difference. And I think even the most rabid Utah and off the, well, even the most rabid Utah and biggest Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams hater from Oklahoma should be able to admit that uh, it makes a difference <laughs> when your starting quarterback uh, is less than 100%. So on the very first play of the game, Caleb ran for an 11-yard run, first down. And then shortly thereafter, he found Taj Washington on a couple of pass plays, one for, I believe, 58 yards. And then the next play, quick little two, three-yard pass, USC was up 7-0 before the seats were warm. By the way, everybody's seats were filled, uh, or pretty much filled by the time the, the game kicked off. So props to Utah and USC fans. Uh, for making this game sold out. It, it gave a great atmosphere. And uh, Allegiant Stadium is really loud. So I appreciated that from a fan perspective. Um, on USC's next possession, Caleb dazzled Las Vegas. I mean, he showed everyone why he's going to win the Heisman uh, in a couple of weeks. When he ran for, it was a 59-yard run. Uh, he zigzagged, he ran over, he ran through, he ran around. Um, it was just an incredible Heisman type of run, but he also on that play tore his hamstring. It was, you know, it was obvious something was wrong uh, because on the very next play, they actually had, a, they took a delay of game. Um, and then uh, something, because I don't know whether he was tired, he, he, he just, he, he needed to get his bearings. Um, something was off, something was amiss. So delay a game. Um, and then you also knew something was wrong when on a play when USC was up 14 to three, uh, he handed the ball up to Austin Jones on a, one of those RPO type of plays. And the middle was wide open for Caleb to keep the ball. He didn't. It ended up going for a loss. USC had to settle for a field goal uh, to make it 17 to three. It was a missed opportunity there, but it was a sign of something was not working right for Caleb. Um, offensively in the game, USC was terrible converting on third downs. Uh, part of that was a, role, a result of Caleb's injury. His legs are a huge asset. Third and short, even third and medium, third and long, Caleb can get a first down with his legs. If not by running for the first down, by extending the play. He was not able to do that after his long run. Um, and that's that's when the momentum in the game shifted. Um, on that third down, uh, when USC couldn't convert on third downs, Utah sensed something was up. They noticed that Caleb wasn't running the offense the way he normally does. <clears throat> they saw it. People in the stands saw it. The media up in the press box saw it. Uh, here's a key moment uh, when the game really shifted. Utah had the ball at their 25-yard line um, after Alex Stadhouse had kicked off, and then there was an actually there was a penalty that backed up Utah, so they were going to start off first and 15. Uh, there was a there was a play where Bryson Shaw had a chance; he just missed a pick six opportunity, and then on the very next play. Um, 
Max Williams got beat, but he recovered quickly enough to knock the ball away, force the fumble. Bryson Shaw recovered. USC had the ball at the Utah Utes 39-yard line. So with uh, just under 12 minutes to play, USC, they had a chance to, you know, put a dagger uh, into the Utes with another touchdown score. Instead, they gained a total of two yards, and then on fourth and eight, they gave up the ball. It was literally a wasted opportunity, and it was a huge momentum shift. Uh, USC, excuse me, Utah took USC's wasted opportunity, and they went on to proceed for a on an eleven play, sixty three yard drive, in six minutes and thirty three seconds, and they scored a touchdown. All of a sudden, now it's seventeen to ten. There was just under four minutes left in the game, and remember, Utah um, they they deferred, so they were going to have the ball to start the second half. So when USC got the ball back, still up by a touchdown, um, they went three and out. And after the punt, you know, US Utah had the ball. There was about a minute forty left in the in the half, and they were at their own nineteen yard line. Well. The USC defense, they, they were doing a, a good job uh, up until that point. They even, I mean, they had held Dal- Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, you remember him from the last time. Um, he did not have a catch until that minute 40 left in the first half. Well, with that first catch, it just kind of, things just started um, matriculating down the field for Utah. As Hank Stram would say back in the day, they took, it, in a minute and 33 seconds, they went 14 plays, and they got the game-time touchdown. And remember, they were going to have the ball to start the second half. So up until that point, USC's defense had gotten the job done. Um, they even had a big stop early where they forced a field goal. Um, but with Caleb and the USC offense kind of being lost in the second quarter. Um, I, I think they started, the defense was finding themselves on the field more and they wore down. Literally, USC's offense disappeared um, after their third possession when they had 17 points. But you got to give credit to the Utah defense uh, for recognizing that USC's offense wasn't making any adjustments um, when Caleb got hurt. Because let's be honest, without Caleb's legs, uh, they started applying more and more pressure, and they were bringing it up the middle. Um, they were stopping USC's run game, and they because Caleb, they were getting pressure on Caleb. Um, it wasn't allowing him to move around or allow USC to run into their long developing type of pass plays. Um, I mean, they were on top of him. They were on top of Caleb pretty quickly uh, from the snap. And a lot of that had to do with the play calling and waiting till the till you know running the play clock down. The defense can see the play clock at the other end of the field behind Caleb. When there's less than four seconds on that play clock, you can time it up when you see the when you see the hand clap coming. Sometimes you need to change the snap count. Um, so USC was held to three points in the second quarter and zero points in the third um, before they got their fourth quarter touchdown. Um, Once again, Utah only turned the ball over one time in this game. 
And as I showed you, it didn't hurt. USC wasn't able to convert that turnover into points. USC actually lost the turnover margin in this game. Uh, they had an interception late. Uh, Caleb also had a fumble. Um, eventually, USC's defense, we'll just say starting uh, late in the second quarter and all through the basically the second half, they looked like they did in the first game against Utah. Um, bad tackling. They were getting beat up the line of scrimmage. They couldn't stop their, the Utah running game. And once Caleb was uh, moving around like he had a stick stuck up his butt with that torn hamstring, and I don't mean that to be mean. Uh, I'm just trying to give, describe the, what it looked like when Caleb was walking and moving, running. Uh, he didn't look right. When you say he had a hitch in his giddy-up, he looked like he was in pain. I mean, yeah, we're going to get to uh, what it could have, should have in the next segment. But um you know what did that didn't that loss didn't taste good. Um, there was a there was a bit of the uh, that that Pete Carroll hubris when they didn't pull John David Booty against Stanford when they in that forty one point upset at home. Uh, you're thinking why isn't why aren't they pulling Caleb and giving Miller Moss an opportunity? So while that didn't taste good, what does taste good are Omaha steaks. Have you ever had a, have you ever had an Omaha steak? I have. They're really good. Uh, the quality, the convenience, and everything you need to deliver in an unforgettable holiday gift experience. Um, you can get that from Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher since 1917, and a holiday gift that's guaranteed to be loved. Uh, the holidays are here. Achieve um, gifting greatness when you give the gift of a perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha steak. I've had one of these. They're really good, whether you're grilling it, smoking them, um, or if you like to broil them, it doesn't matter. They come out pretty darn juicy, very tasty. Who doesn't love a good steak, right? Um, well, the steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together a special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. So go to Omaha, go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at the checkout, and you're going to get 30%, $30 off your order. They'll send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites, guaranteed to impress, like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, the air-chilled boneless chicken, the ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are easy and ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks are ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the skipping the shipping rush. Yeah, um, go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code Locked On. That's one word at the checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code Locked On at checkout. To get the extra $30 off your order, minimum order may be required. So here's the question. Should Lincoln Riley have pulled Caleb when he was obvious that he wasn't the Caleb Williams that had led USC to 11 wins on the season? As I mentioned, it was on the eighth offensive play of the game when he ran for 58 yards. It was a huge play. I mean, it 
it had it set USC up for another touchdown. Um, things were looking good. USC was kind of about to go up 14 to 3. But again, you knew something was wrong at that time <clears throat> because um, of that delay game penalty immediately after the long run. But be more than Caleb Williams, you know, Andrew Voorhees wasn't didn't start or play in the game. That was pretty significant. And so you wonder, did the lack of having Andrew available play a role um, in Lincoln's decision-making? Or was it Caleb's decision to stay in the game? I'm going to get back to that here just in a moment. I want to just remind everybody, the offensive line that started the game, left to right, Left tackle was Bobby Haskins. Left guard was Justin Dietrich. Center, Brett, ne- Brett Nealon. Jonah Monheim was at right guard. And Mason Murphy was your right tackle. That's not how they finished the game. Remember, Voorhees was not even available. Um, we knew that going into the game. As you know, I'm not allowed to talk about injury reports. So we had to keep that to ourselves. Uh, Justin Dietrich did not look good from the beginning of the game. He's been hurt all season. I don't know if he was dinged up during the week of practice, but he looked a step slow, and uh, he he got beat on a couple of plays. <clears throat> Again, I'm not faulting Big Daddy Dietrich. He has been playing on a busted hamstring pretty much since, I don't know how long back, but pretty much the entire season. And then later in the game, <clears throat> excuse me, with about eight minutes left, USC lost Brett Nealon. Uh, everyone's going to, I'm going to assume it was a an Achilles injury. When you watch it, uh, he was backing up in pass protection. His foot got locked in the ground, a lot of weight on top of him, and his foot didn't move, and he just bent backwards. He was carted off the field. Um, and USC at that point was down 34 to 24 when he came out of the game. So, again, I'm wondering, uh, your starting left guard is out. Your starting center eventually misses, you know, is out of the game. Uh, You're playing with a banged-up mash unit at offensive line to begin with. And you've got a 50% or less of Caleb Williams. Um, How many teams are going to win a game, let alone a conference championship game? Not to mention, uh, you had a defense that left uh, all their tackling skills somewhere else besides uh, bringing them to Las Vegas. And even with all that, uh, they were still only down three points in the fourth quarter. Now, I think I know why Caleb, uh, Lincoln left Caleb in the game, despite what he said after the game. Um, now, keep all this in mind. And I'm, we're coming back to why Lincoln left Caleb in the game. But I, I'm, I want to set this up for you. Despite USC's poor tackling, um, and despite, um, you know, they forced, I believe, four or five Utah punts. They had a fumble recovery. Um, they were still losing. And, but they were only losing with, um, I think, by ten with two minutes into the third quarter, or they eventually would be down ten early into the fourth quarter. Um, in that third quarter, 
offensively, Utah had only gained, well, I shouldn't say only gained. They had 111 yards on offense, but only seven points. USC offensively had one yard of offense and zero points. And remember, they only scored the field goal in the second quarter. Um, so in, in the third quarter, USC, they had a chance to get the ball back on a second and 19. Um, but they, instead of, instead of having the ball that Utah had a third and 19. Blackman had a chance for an interception. He dropped it. He was only able to get one hand up. You could say that his other arm was being held down. It was a, it was a competitive play. Mackay should have had the interception regardless, in my opinion. On the very next play, third and 19, it was a costly, uh, USC's poor tackling came back to bite them. It was costly. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon, um, instead of tackling Utah's wide receiver, Money Parks, um, he tried punching the ball out, creating a turnover. And he ran right through McCutcheon and the defense. And Utah had a 24 to 17 lead. He ran all the way in for a touchdown. It was a really poor execution by USC's defense. Started on the second down with a drop down interception. And on the next play, it just the wheels came off. Bad tackling, bad technique. If they tackle the guy when he caught the ball, he's short of the marker. Anyways, um, that was a, I guess, a perfect example of just uh, how close USC was in this game, uh, heading in basically the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So, um, with about with 10 and a half minutes left in the game, uh, and, and Caleb had a, a, a really distinct limp. He, found, he was able to find Mario Williams for a, I think it was like an eight-yard touchdown pass. Uh, it had taken nine plays, 75 yards, and four minutes and four seconds um, off, off the clock. USC was in the game, down three. Here's the thing, though. Uh, Utah's defense, they knew Caleb. Uh, he was already dead man walking at this point. Um, and they were bringing more pressure. Uh, from everywhere, up the middle, from the edges, stunts, blitzes. Um, and they were just, they were making life really difficult for the offensive line as well as for Caleb. So at, in that third quarter, should Lincoln Riley have pulled Caleb Williams, given Miller Moss an opportunity to see if he could gain any yards, put the offense in a better position to score, a field goal, if not a touchdown, anything. This is why I'm asking the question. Is Miller Moss at 100%? Is he better than 50% of Caleb or less than 50% of Caleb? Following the USC's, and let's be honest, it was a very humbling defeat. Not, you know, 47 to 24. When I say humbling, uh, I'm talking about for the coach, for, for USC's coaching staff, for the defense, for the way they reacted to adversity. After the game, Lincoln Riley told the media that Caleb would not allow the head coach to take him out of the game despite 
his quarterbacks, uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of editorializing here, um, despite his quarterback's ability to walk in a straight line. Quote, this is from Lincoln, quote, I asked him at one point, I was like, are you 50%? And I mean, he was not even close to 50%. I definitely thought about taking him out, said Riley. Now, he also finished that statement, uh, that explanation with, he wouldn't even let me take him out at the end. Um, now, some of that's coach speak, a little bit of hyperbole there. Um, but I think Lincoln let Caleb make the decision in that game. You know, he 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 was going to finish the dance that he started with. He he brought he brought Caleb to the dance. He was going to finish the dance with that girl. Um, but again, the question is: Should Miller have been given the opportunity? Today, we found out on Sunday night uh, or Sunday uh, when you know USC found out they'll be playing in the Cotton Bowl. Um, Lincoln spoke about the severity of of um, Caleb's hamstring injury. He said it's he's got a significant hamstring injury. It's good we're not playing probably in the next two to three weeks. Look, I, I think everybody knew during the game how significant it was, including Lincoln. So again, the question is, do you give Miller Moss and your offense a better fighting chance to score? I, I think the answer in hindsight is yes. And the bigger question is, was Lincoln allowing Caleb to call the shots or was Lincoln just not ready to throw in the towel with Caleb? I guess we'll never find out. We'll never know. That's going to be a question that's going to linger for a while. And we're going to talk about this game a lot more this week. Um, as you know, Locked on USC comes at you five days a week. And we're in a limited time here. And we're already running short on time. But uh, it's it will be a safe bet that we'll talk about this game more. A lot more this week. Um, so if you want to uh, protect your if you want to protect your family during this holiday season, at Locked On USC, we believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On USC listeners 40% off a new security system, but don't put this off. And here's why. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report for a third year in a row. In an emergency, you get 24-7 professional monitoring agents who use Fast Protect technology, which is exclusively from Simply Safe, to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get higher priority police response. Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. They use high-definition high security cameras for inside and out, which make it smarter ways to detect emotion that alert you only when a threat is real and even hazard sensors when, that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. So don't miss your chance to say big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash forward slash locked on college today. That's simplysafe.com forward slash locked on college. There's no safe like simply safe. All right. So 
the college football playoff committee, they really, and I mean really, did not like USC in the playoffs this year. How how much did they not like USC? Um, they dropped USC from number four to number 10 after their loss to Utah. Uh, we're going to assume they did not like the defense. Nobody did. <laughs> USC fans didn't like it. Um, they were embarrassed. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess this is the question. Was USC really number four? Yes, they were. They had earned it. They had climbed their way by only losing one game all year. Um, and there's, look, they're going to end up, they're going to play Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. It's a, it feels like a disappointing consolation prize considering they were in the playoffs. All they had to do was win. And now you saw how TCU lost. Uh, USC, had they won, they were going to be playing Michigan in Glendale, Arizona. They would have moved up. Anyways, we're going to talk about this more throughout the week on Locked on USC. But I want everyone to remember, as disappointing as the game was in Las Vegas, and it was disappointing, USC still finished the season 11-2. and They're playing on New Year's Day in a big six bowl in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. And they better not take this team lightly. Tulane, they also had a big season turnaround. Last year, they won two games. This year, they finished 11-2 and as well. So I guess what we're going to find out is um, how interested will USC be in that game? You know, who will be available, who won't be available, who's going to opt out, um, you know, We'll talk about that more throughout the week, <clears throat> and especially as we get closer. Um, let's just—we want to take some time to really appreciate what USC accomplished in year one under Lincoln Riley. Yes, it didn't end the way we, the regular season didn't end the way we everyone wanted, and um, but there's—I I think if everyone is is looking forward, looking ahead, um, USC is. They're trending in the right direction. Now they just need to continue to build on what they started. They're a year ahead of schedule. Remember, in Pete Carroll's first year, they went 6-6 six and six and lost to Utah in the Las Vegas Bowl. But you, you, you felt a sense that things were changing. USC is well ahead of that schedule that they had in Pete Carroll's first year. They won 11 games. And now they got four weeks and a few days to, to prepare for a January 1st bowl game. All right. Let's appreciate that. So it, it's kind of like a combination. I talked about this, you know, USC has kind of reached where USC was in year two of Pete Carroll. They're going to have a Heisman trophy winner in year one. They're going to be playing in a, uh, in a major bowl game in year one. It took to until year two in Pete Carroll's era um, to reach those accolades. So enjoy it. It hurts. Trust me. I didn't want to do this show today. I literally had to let my emotion die down. But never know. 
I run hot and cold. We'll see what happens on the next episode of Locked on USC. But remember, when you're not making Locked on USC your first listen every day, make sure you check out Locked on Sports every day, whether it's on this app, YouTube, or wherever you download your, download your podcast. Locked on Sports has everything you're looking for. So we'll check them out. All right. We've gone over the good. We've gone over the bad. We know that USC will not be in the playoffs in year one. We do know they'll be playing Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. And we've got a lot to talk about in this week of Locked on USC. So until then, everyone, you know what to do, Trojan fans.